Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule Exclusives. Goalkeeper Willy Caballero has had a career which traversed Argentina to Spain and most memorably in Manchester City. He's played under Manuel Pellegrini, Pep Guardiola and Jorge Sampaoli. In 2018, he was part of the World Cup squad with Argentina and among his honours, he can lay claim to an FA Cup, Copa Libertadores, Europa League and League Cup. He's now at Chelsea, playing under Frank Lampard as one of the senior members of that young squad. We discuss everything from where he started with Boca Juniors to his family life to his team now. The Offside Rule Exclusives with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. We are at Chelsea's training ground where we've managed to get Willie Caballero to spare us some time just to have another chat, one of our exclusives. Kate Borsay with me. I want to start, Willie, by just speaking to you about your early life because you played for Boca Juniors, which are one of the biggest clubs in South America. Um, How did your initial move to them come about? Because you were very young. Well, first of all, thank you for this invitation. Yes, I started uh, when I was 14. I started to play for the Academy of Boca Juniors, so I had to leave my family. I started to live uh, with uh, 80 or 90 boys, kids or players in, in the Academy in the same building. And it was a very tough and difficult experience to leave family and friends. But I grew up as a player, I started to training and I had the opportunity to play for Boca uh, when I was 19 years old. It was fantastic. The club, the atmosphere, that uh, any games that we play there, I played there, and it was fantastic because the supporters are magnif- magnificent every every weekend. It, it looks like uh, it was another life because it was uh, almost twenty years ago, but it was it was fantastic. What was it like leaving home? Because you travelled right the way across Argentina, so we're not talking about. A couple of hours away in the car, are we? No, exactly, because Argentina is so long. And uh, I was away from my house 660 kilometers, so almost nine hours. So it, for this, I said, it, the first year was terrible. It was difficult because for five months, I couldn't see my family. Then when the adaptation, it was a little bit more, more easy to live uh, uh, without them and also because I was really young. A lot of players that we've spoken to that have, have moved away quite young, they end up living with a family. Is that what happened for you? A, a different family took you in and you lived with them whilst mm, no, playing? No, in, in, in my case, I live together with uh, the rest of the players from around the country. Oh, uh, okay. Boca Junior. Until now, they, they have a, a very good academy, a very good place to live. It's like a hotel for kids between 12 and 18 years old. So we were living over there maybe 80, 80 players from these ages. Of course, on the morning we have to go to school, and after afternoon we have to uh, training. It was uh, the starting of a new life, uh, and it was uh, difficult, but... At the end, it was uh, it was a fan- fantastic way to to believe in what we we were doing, training to to be a professional player. 
it sounds like those boys then they became your family exactly. because you were so close were there were there any names that we would know in europe that were part well of that? yeah i've got my my, my very good friend is uh, nicolas burdiso which now is a manager director of Boca Juniors, mm-hmm. and he played uh, alongside with me. But uh, he also gre- did a great career in, in Italy, in Inter de Milan and Roma and Rome. The rest of the players did a great career, but maybe maybe in Mexico, maybe in, in Spain, or also in um, in South America. But it was a a great great family. But also uh, the coaches. It were almost our our fathers during those days. So we have uh, great memories because they, they help us a lot. So Boca Junior is very much the foundation of your career. And I know you spent a few years there until your early 20s. And then Elche came in for you from Spain, a club where you were at for an incredible amount of time. What was that like? Again, did it, did it feel like a natural move to move from Boca's from Argentina, then over to Spain? Well, in fact, it wasn't. It was a, a little bit of a surprise uh, because I was on the bench in Boca Juniors, but I was almost ready to, to play. I knew it was a matter of time that uh, the first choice, choice will arrive very soon. But uh, with a change of manager, uh, he decided to leave me out. And um, the offer from Elche arrived the next day. So I took it because it was a great opportunity to play and to keep um, growing up as a as a person and, and and as a player. So I'm I learned a lot uh, doing this movement. So I I recommend this movement for every every single young young player because sometimes when you are in a comfort zone uh, you you don't know what you are losing and what you need to do. And um, the best way to to learn is when you move away your comfort zone. Mm, you spent seven years at the club. Did you have family with you? Were you a single man at that time? How did you navigate? Because you're you know away from your um, no, hometown I, in Argentina. I was father so young when I was twenty, twenty one. We moved with with our daughter to to Elche, and then we had another daughter. She born in Elche, so we have a. Argentinian daughter and one Spanish daughter. <laughs> nice. Multiple passports yeah, in your yeah. household. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's true. But it's, it's quite good. Was that something that you were encouraged uh, through football? Because you, you hear these stories that um, managers encourage players to settle down early and to have children early because it stabilises you as a player. Was that something? Well, in our case... Uh, it was unintentional. It was uh, something that happened. Something yeah. so as a as a man and and as I love my my wife, my girlfriend in this case, it was uh, an opportunity to to show how how we loved each other mm. and we we did the best we can do in this moment. I think uh, the the manager or the coaches that uh, I had in the past encourage to do the right thing and I think uh, I did it in this moment I did it with my wife and my daughter and and I learned a lot from them I, I think I am doing during my my whole life this people discuss the differences between South American football European football but you seem to settle in very very quickly at Elche and 
you've even gone on record since to say that you feel like you're a much more European player. And is that something that you were quite aware of when you went there? Well, this is, I think, is just called adaptation. And in Spain, um, when you arrive, they start to think how we have to play, how, what we have to do, and what we can improve. It's just uh, adaptation. Uh, I think uh, sometimes anything happens or life makes you move and you have to play one day in Barcelona, another day in a small team. So you cannot play how you've been playing in Barcelona in a small team or in another country. It's really different because in South America it's another, another weather, it's another grass, it's, it's different. You cannot play fast as we play in Premier League in South America because the grass is, is so long, so at, at the, the end of 20 minutes, you are, you are dead. Mm, so that's interesting. This, this is the, the difference. And it happened with, with Argentinian people when they, they go back to, to Argentina to play for the, the national teams. They move to Argentina to play. They have one game in Argentina with a different weather, with a long grass, and sometimes the Argentina fans or the Argentina supporters, they want to to see Messi playing as he plays in Barcelona. And sometimes it's difficult. And the next game, they have to go to Lima, Peru, or to Ecuador, or to Colombia. And it's a high altitude. Mm. So it's, it's different every game and, and it's tough for them, tough for the players. The Offside Rule Exclusives. As you mentioned, football is unpredictable and life is unpredictable as well. And I know when you were at Elche fairly early on there, you had to go back for a loan spell to Argentina and that's connected to your daughter. Just tell us what happened in, in that situation. Well, I was starting my second season at Elche. I was doing the pre-season and my wife called me that, uh, told me that uh, the doctor found uh, something in the eyes, in the eyes of my daughter. It was uh, called retinoblastoma, is cancer. It was a very difficult moment for us. So I, I left immediately Elche. I spoke with the president, uh, with the manager, and I said I need, to, I need to stay with my family. So I left. We've been doing treatment with her. She, she has been doing treatment. We've been supporting her. Uh, we did, uh, or she did... Uh, every treatment possible to, to save uh, the, the vision, to save the, the eyes. And during five years, we've been, we've been trying, we've been doing everything. I don't remember exactly the dates, but uh, at the second, second year of the treatment, uh, we had to do a surgery because it was uh, an, a possibility to reactivation. I don't know if mm -hmm. correct. So we have, she had to lose, lose one eye and she's now using a, a prosthesis. But the most important that uh, during this uh, period we've been together and uh, we, we pass this moment together. We learn a lot. She's fine now. Mm -hmm. She's healthy. She's fine. So uh, she's got she, sight, in, sight in one eye now. Yeah, she has just one, yeah. one eye, one vision, and the yeah. other, she has a, a prosthesis. How old was she when that happened? She was three. Just three years old? Wow. Yeah. That, that was so much for a young little baby, really. She's yeah. still a baby to go through. 
and you were still a young man as well. Yeah, um, and my wife too, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the wrench and upheaval in your life, obviously football becomes secondary and you have to just shelve that for a moment. But it seemed like you had the support to be able to go back there and yeah. Elche obviously said that you could go back. Yeah, it's true. Elche bring me immediately the support to just in my, my daughter and my family. And I could spend six months without playing, with, of course, training with the national team and training with, with friends or with, with teams in Argentina. Uh, and the next six, six months, I, I found the opportunity to, to play for Arsenal in Argentina, which was uh, really, really good for, for me, for my family also, because uh, they, they, they need also to, to see me doing my, my stuff, my training or my, my things. Because during those, the, the, the second six months, my, my daughter was in a very good, uh, stable, stable situation. So it was, it was good to, to do, to stay with her and to, to do my job. Uh, but the support from, from the, from, from the club, from Melchin, in this case, it was fantastic. I'm aware that you're outnumbered in your house by women. You've got, yeah. <laughs> you've got another daughter. Well. You've got a wife and two daughters. I think it's the first time that I can speak with two two girls because in my house I I don't have opinion. <laughs> we'll try and let you speak. <laughs> I know what that's like being a mum myself. I have a very strong-minded daughter who's ten now. Just tell us about the characters of your daughters and what your hopes are for them because of course they're growing up here in England having spent a bit of time in Spain time in Argentina for your eldest daughter of course what are their characters like and what are your aspirations for them as they as they grow up here in the UK well um, both girls are very different character mm. So your oldest one's called Guillermina, is it? Guillermina, yeah. Guillermina. In Argentina, Guillermina, we say okay. Guillermina. <laughs> Guillermina here. And she's lovely. She's kind. She's uh, very close to me. Uh, she was every time very close to me. And the other one, Aitana, she was very strong character, uh, very different to Guillermina, but uh, now when when they are, they are more close now, they are he changed she changed a lot his character and she's lovely too. But at the beginning, it was uh, really really strong character, <laughs> a difficult one to handle. Which we yeah, all but, have one. You know, when you have, have one, one you have one, just one focus. But uh, the second, you see the difference. Oh, this <laughs> girl is that. This the other girl was that or something. But. Uh, it was a um, massive the difference. Yeah. They are both very big fans of you being a footballer. Uh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, uh my my little daughter Aitana, she started to uh, to understand a little bit more during the last 2 years because uh, before uh, she she doesn't uh, she doesn't get it she how old care, is she yeah. now no she's nine she's nine so yeah i can i, think, I can I totally relate bo- both of both both of them started to to love more my my job or the mm-hmm. the sport at the age of eight so mm-hmm. they are quite similar in this because of your experience there and because clearly with your eldest you know there were worrying times i just wonder as a person 
giving you perspective as a footballer because many people observe this sport from afar and think it's about wealth and everybody having a great lifestyle but of course real life things happen you're still human beings and real life things happen to you and did that help you in your career as well with uh, certainly with your mindset yeah 100% yeah it was uh as i say it was a very very difficult moment very difficult for not just for me for the whole family but uh, it helped helped me a lot a lot to believe more and more in myself to believe uh, more to to be more strong because uh, when I, when I was in Boca Junior, when I arrived to Elche, uh, I arrived with a lot of doubts, with a lot of pressure for myself, a lot of uh, desire to to show what I can do or, or something. But after this, uh, I've, I felt uh, more light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt uh, that uh, there are a lot of things more important than pressure. It was like... Uh, I have to to do a lot of things or, uh, or work more or, or training more, but just to make make her happy, mm-hmm. make my family happy, and I, I I forgot completely to to put pressure on me. Mm-hmm. So I started to enjoy uh, enjoy more what 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 I I was doing. Mm. Enjoy more my training, enjoy more yeah. my games. Yeah, almost not kind of think about it too much. Not You know, because there's something else going going on in your life. It's almost like actually sometimes it's good if football isn't your number one perspective yeah. because without pressure, sometimes you play better. And it was it was no coincidence either that your next spell you went to Malaga and um, would it be fair to say that was perhaps the happiest of times for you? I mean, in terms of mm-hmm. career, you perform very, very well. Yeah, um, uh, and a uh, bit of freedom. After after this, almost my, my career were, were going down, were going up. Because the next year, Salche goes in this direction, in direction, high direction. Uh, the next step was Malaga, first division. So it was a great jump for for me for my career, and then we played champions. So everything goes goes well in in terms of of career. But in in terms of life, I was doing the same. I was enjoying a lot. I was uh, having fun. I was believing what I am doing, but uh, with the same mentality. It's try to be achieving a lot of things, but try to create a great atmosphere in my house because I I thought the most important was the the life of my, my daughter and my family. You played under Manuel Pellegrini at Malaga. So that's your first introduction to him and many people who know your time at Manchester City will also know that he brought you over to England as well. Uh, what were your first impressions of him as a man? I had a really good impression from him from Argentina first because he was a manager in uh, in a few teams over there but when i when i know him when i started to working with him just confirm what i thought because he is a, a gentleman he's a good manager and he was very very gentleman always with me always speaking with the true with me or with my mates also and uh, he was a fantastic uh, coach in my in my career. You enjoyed success at Malaga under Pellegrini. You were in 2012-13 named the best player 
by one media organisation in the campaign. Then you were nominated Best Goalkeeper in La Liga the next season, 13-14, alongside Thibaut Courtois, who was at Atletico Madrid at the time, and Kilo Navas, who was at Levante. So some incredible performances from you. When the time came for you to go to Manchester City, just tell us how that worked. Was that because Pellegrini had brought you over to Manchester City or was that led by you? How did that move work out? Well, first of all, it was um, difficult to to choose uh, because it, the loves from the people in Malaga and the, and the way that uh, I, I was uh, living over there and working or, or enjoying over there, it was, it was amazing. It was fantastic. But uh, as I received the call from Pellegrini the first time uh, when I moved from Elche, I, I had another one from from England, from, from City this time, I felt the same sensation. I felt that it was my time to do the, the correct movement, the correct approach to the to the league that I that I wanted to, to play, uh, because it was my my dream. All the things went well in this day and we we could uh, we could jump to the to the Premier League and it was uh, it was really really a good movement for, for me. You came to England fairly unknown because despite the success that you'd had in Malaga and you'd obviously been in and around Argentina teams as well. I know that you'd had success at the Olympics and different different things, but you you were fairly unknown. And did you like that, that people didn't already know that much about the way that you played and and your your history either? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I knew everything uh, before to sign, before... Pellegrini calls me because uh, every time you you jump to another league or you go to another league, another country, you have to be a really, really talented player or really good, um, fa- famous player to the fans or to the people knows you. So in my case, it was like that, and I and I knew that I was as a second goalkeeper. So I I knew that uh, I have to to show uh, in, the, in the training and in, in during the, the games that uh, I can play to to create a, a great atmosphere between the club, between the players and also between the fans because this is a, a good thing that you need to, to for them to, to believe in you. And it wasn't just any club you were going to. Manchester City, one of the best teams in the Premier League. Was it a conscious decision for you to move because you wanted to play in England, albeit as a second-choice keeper? Or had you considered, because you'd been playing first-choice keeper really at Elche and then at Malaga as well, was there perhaps an ambition to stay at at first choice? You you must have had to make a little bit of a mental decision really, I suppose, whether you join one of the best clubs in the world and play as second keeper or whether you perhaps go to another club as first choice. Well, I I already already knew during those days that uh, if I keep uh, playing for Malaga, probably the thing's going to happen again. What uh, I've been doing in Elche, I've been been doing a a very good seasons, but uh, I never could uh, go forward. So it was a casualty that uh, a goalkeeper got an injury and uh, Pellegrini calls me and it was and I spent almost se- seven years in uh, second division. So 
in this day i i remember what what happened during those those years so i i decided quickly and of course i knew that uh, i had to fight a lot for my opportunity for my chances and i also depend in the performance of joe hart but uh, when i arrived he started to to do it perfect he improved a lot and he he did a, a great seasons uh, in front of me can we can we chat about the penalty specialist that that you've been branded because of your time at Manchester City <laughs> um in the league cup final against Liverpool Kate's a Liverpool fan but we'll just saw point oh, we'll so, obviously talk about this I'm sorry I was there very excited <laughs> to have my seat at that game three saves three penalty saves and it, it did earn you this accolade as being the penalty specialist and it, it certainly meant that you were forever cherished by Manchester City fans for that victory equally for you as important your family were all there watching that performance and you had that ability to be able to give them that performance that you delivered this is what it's all been for yeah well <laughs> it is uh, this final or this end it was almost uh, right for me <laughs> uh, it was a perfect um, way to to achieve a, a trophy but it wasn't lucky it was a lot of job or concentration or a lot of fight between me and the other player or my mind or whatever uh, but it was a fantastic moment that I spent with my family over there because I think not because we 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 what we passed or we live what we lived uh, with my daughter or whatever but in my in my mind or in my heart it was uh, it was those moments and uh, probably God uh, bring us this moment to to enjoy together what was it like when Pep Guardiola came in because of course Pellegrini brought you over and then in walks one of the most if not the most famous managers in world football just tell us about your reaction to him coming in and how he changed things at Manchester City First, it was a little bit uh, sad moment when Pellegrini left, but we we knew already three months before to end the to the ending of the season that uh, Guardiola is it, it will arrive. So the start the start with Guardiola was um, magnificent in the way that uh, he wants to play, in the way that uh, he he made a lot of movements uh, inside of the of the club. From the, with the target to, to, to improve everything in the changing room, in the staff in the, in the way that we have to, to eat, to, to sleep or everything he was in everything, in every part of the, of the, of the life of the player and uh, in the way that, that he plays we, we knew already from Barcelona but uh, it was uh, a difficult adaptation from, from the players to do it on the on the Premier League because uh, no one team uh, did it before, so we we had to spend a lot of time the preseason trying to to find the the way that that he wants to play. But it took a lot of time. Uh, we didn't we didn't win anything in the first uh, season with Guardiola, but uh, almost three or four months we were already playing in the way that that he wanted. It was, I think it was a difficult season for him also, not just for the player, for the club. But it was a very good uh, way to learn 
and uh, to appreciate a uh, fantastic coach also because he can or he could make me better keeper. Mm. Uh, he helped me to to do more things. He helped me to improve, and he also gave me the right orders or the right or directions to do um, good things. And I am I'm grateful to to play for for City to play for for him. He's a great manager. You had a brief moment where you were his number one for a while. So Joe Hart had gone down the pecking order. You were playing number one. And this was before Claudio Bravo came in. Did you at any point think that you could have kept that shirt? Or were you always aware that he played with a very different sort of keeper to what you... No, well, I, I, I knew already that he he was looking for uh, a top world keeper and um, that he, he doesn't want uh, Joe Hart as a, as a goalkeeper. Uh, so Joe, Joe left the club and Claudio arrives. And I know that uh, the way that Claudio, Claudio plays, uh, because he's a fantastic goalkeeper, he's fantastic with playing with feet, uh, and he has a great vision of football, is what uh, Guardiola loves as a goalkeeper. But the the season for for him it wasn't it wasn't perfect, and it was my opportunity to 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 play as a as a field goalkeeper. So I try to to believe just before before to to have this opportunity. Uh, I started to believe that I I could be the number one, and I and I did it. So I I finished my my stage on on City playing as a number one, so I think it's really, really happy with that. This is the Offside Rule from Money Knees Media. Along comes Chelsea, and we know that your contract expires at the end of this season, and they'll, um, I'm sure that there'll be discussions there, but I'm, I'm really interested to know what it's like to play under Frank Lampard. Tell us the difference that's been made since Frank's come back to the club. Well, we, I've been through in the last two years with uh, Italian coaches, Italian managers, with they have a, a direction to do the things and repetitions and every day. And the way that we are we are working, we are training and we, we play with Frank is totally different and is totally beautiful. Beautiful to, to train with to training with them. That's actually a really nice word, isn't it? Beautiful is a very interesting word. Yeah to because use. sometimes uh, as a players we, we have job to do but during the week we we have to enjoy and we are enjoying now we are enjoying uh, training a lot we are i don't want to see funny things because we we, we have we are professionals mm. uh, but, but you mean we, that you're having a lot, a lot more fun yeah, yeah. We, we we are enjoying doing the shooting session the competitions and we are training our our skills which sometimes with big managers you just as I as I've been in Boca, I've been training just for win, or I've been playing just for win. But uh, I think with Guardiola and with Frank, we we train our skills, and this is sometimes it's, it's difficult that uh, a manager can do or can offer a players because they they know the level of the player, and they thought that they can they can they cannot improve the level. But in fact, this is possible and those two managers are, are doing this. You've just mentioned Lampard in the same breath 
as Guardiola, which many people will be, certainly Chelsea fans will be hoping is is to be true in the future. You're the one player that has played with him at the end of his career at Manchester City. And then you're in the dressing room um, and he's your boss. Has that been a strange transition? Well, I, I, I've been playing with, with him, but also a few players here been playing with him also. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the only one. Uh, I'm, I, I've got a good experience with, with him in, in City and we had a good memories. It was funny also to start the season uh, and see him as a coach and to, to listen to him now giving us uh, orders or how we have to train. And it was funny, but uh, at the second day, I realized that now is my boss, now is this, now is that. So I have to, I, I, it's true, I need uh, a few hours to, yeah. you know, how sometimes is it's different as, you know, from being a teammate to a boss. What are the main differences that you've experienced? Well, first of all, you have to respect more now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this is uh, it's a fact. I think everything that you live as a player when when you have a teammate and just stay there, stay in the change room, stay in your in your mind and your memory. And now is is another turn the turn page and it's another chapter of the book for for him and for 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 me too. So it's a, a another life start for them for him and the same life is for me, but. I I knew, I knew him as a player, and he's showing us in the way that he's uh, he's believing in the way that we have to play and we have to train, and and it's it's fantastic. So it's good to see that. In the kindest possible way, if it wasn't for you in the squad, the average age would be a lot lower, wouldn't it's it? It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We are. We. I think. Uh, I uh, sometimes I feel that I can be the father of one of. One of yeah, two yeah, players, yeah. but it's true. well, uh, as, a, as a goalkeeper, I am I am happy to be here. Uh, I hope I can I can stay more. And you you like this experience role and imparting a little bit of wisdom to the to the younger ones coming through. Of the talent that Frank has given an opportunity to, I'm just wondering from all your experience of watching players and watching training those hours behind closed doors that we don't get to see. You know, in terms of raw talent, who's got it? You've you've worked up close with Messi, so like working now, you know, who is it that really shines? I've been lucky to train with Messi. I were on a lot of good players, but here uh, last season with Hazard, with William now, but in the young kids or in the kids that we have in the in the team, we have a lot of talent. We have a great future. Uh, the most important thing, I think, they are very good uh, settled on the on the mind that uh, what what he wants. I'm not listened to the boys talking about money, and that's a fantastic a fantastic way they are speaking about football and they want to win. The other day we we lost against City and they've been great and speaking about football. That is a great atmosphere that we live in the changing room. As a experiment, as a professional, or all this, or whatever, sometimes you have to help kids or to help uh, in the way that they are training, what they have to change, or what you you can help them to improve because you you live a lot a, lo- a lot of seasons. But uh, I feel sometimes that yeah, 
I am helping them, but they, they don't need too much. It's interesting because Frank's given a chance to some players like Tammy Abraham who've come through the youth setup and traditionally there's been a bit of a disparity between kids who come up through the youth setup here getting a first team chance. It's great to see kids like Tammy Abraham coming through. Who excites you to watch? Who are you who are you excited about if you're talking to someone about this Chelsea team and you're saying you should watch this guy and this guy? Who's sort of really exciting for you to watch? To keep an eye on, I suppose. Well, uh... I think uh, every every one of them are playing. You're being very fair, Willie. Here, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I like to 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 play and to watch uh, Mason Mount. Yeah, how, another how one. He's, yeah, uh, he's doing uh, good things and playing, and also he's good in listening. So he he can be a a great talent for for Chelsea and for England also. You mentioned about how it's impressed you that there's football chat in the changing rooms and, and it's not about money. And I guess for the people that are handing over this sport that we love and it, and it happens, you know, these generations come through and soon enough you'll be hang, hanging up your boots and handing it over for the next generation to enjoy. Is there a part of you that's concerned about the money in the game or the social media aspect now? Because I, I, know, I know that you have a bit of a laugh with some of the guys and there is this word influencer now. Uh, we've seen that Cristiano Ronaldo earns more from being an influencer than his actual contract at Juventus. In terms of the state of football and when you do eventually leave it, the state it's going to be in, are, are you positive? Do you have concerns? I think everything. You know, as a, the technology, technology advanced very quickly. And sometimes the experienced player or the oldest player has the same methodology than 10 years or 20 years ago. But we have to adapt. I have to adapt every year because uh, the, the youngest of the kids are already prepared for to do a lot of things. Uh, sometimes they, they do quickly or they do better than, than the experienced player. We completely get that, by the way. Some kids are so quick on social media yeah. and on adapting, and it makes, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel really old because it takes me 10 minutes sometimes to write a good tweet. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true, but uh, we have to take care also because they, they have to know a lot of rules for this. They, we have a, a lot of uh, people working here to help them to don't make mistakes uh, because uh, we, we can get in ban doing... Um, doing likes or retweeting a lot of things. To that be careful, so, so, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes the new players or the kids doesn't know. But I think if we can help them to, to manage well, we, as a player, we can, we can, do, we can do everything well. Willie, we have spoken about quite a lot today. We've spoken about you having to leave home early, you having to move and adapt to different countries, the the own pressures that you've had in your personal life as well and your daughter's illness, technology, we've just finished on that and how much it's changed in the time that you've been playing. I just wonder singularly the most defining moment away from football that you think has shaped your career. Well, I think when when my first daughter... She was born. It was a really nice, nice, nice moment, and it was a very big change, changing my my way to live. I I changed completely to think about about me, about player, and I start to think about family. So I think it was a a very good moment 
without football. And you and your career here, we know that your contract ends at the end of this season. What do you want to go and do? Would you like to stay at Chelsea or is there another club that you would think about or is it now time to think about what happens, whether it's coaching or something else after your football career? Well, um, of course I've been, I've been thinking about it, but uh, now is, there is no, no offer, so there is not the, the right time to, to think about it because, of course, I finished my, my contract, but I got also extensions, so it depends on the what the the clubs need for the next uh, the next year but i am i am really happy here and I'm, i am enjoying working for for this team trying to be ready for the next opportunity but um, at the end of the season we i have to think with my family uh, what is the best for for me for my career and of, of course uh, i am 38 now i'm not the the end of the, my career is is very very close but uh, I don't feel the, the necessity to to leave this because I I love I love football I love sport and I love the the way that I'm I am living uh, so do you think you'll return to South America one day uh, no uh, to play football no or in another maybe maybe to live maybe mm. because my family is over there the whole family is over there but no not to play football I think uh, I spent a lot of year here, and uh, in the way that uh, I played in Spain or, or here, it's, it's so difficult to to go back and uh, and uh, achieve the adaptation so quickly. So I think it, well, it's not a good idea. Whatever happens next, it's a very wise head that's on your shoulders, and it's quite therapeutic, actually speaking to Willie yeah. today. I feel like we've all had a now bit we, of a. We all know how Tammy Abraham and Tamori and Mason Mount feel. They've got this wisdom around them. Thank you very much for sparing some time and to have this chat. Thanks, It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's Offside Rule exclusive. To hear more like this, just go to available episodes where you can hear the likes of Watford's Herelio Gomez talk to us, West Ham's Pablo Zabaleta and Burnley's Joe Hart, plus many more. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Offside Rule Pod and subscribe so you can be the first to hear our brand new episodes. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.